podcast today, I wanted to talk about common mistakes I find when people are working for power and speed. Obviously, rate of force development is probably the key factor to every strength and conditioning program. When you're out in the field, you're moving your body as fast as possible. Especially in the game of baseball, it's not always the strongest player that wins. It's the one who can manipulate their body in such a fashion so that this ball is going to come out faster. A lot of that has to do with mechanical, uh, like mechanics and technique. Some of it has to do with uh, just a, having a good base strength, but a lot of it has to do with how, how basically how good their nervous system is, how efficiently they can move their body, the motor control side of things, the uh, the explosiveness, and how quickly they can fire the muscles to to move. All those factors can come about from training properly in the weight room. However, you're going to find some people that when they start working powerfully and explosively with lighter weights, uh, they really begin to screw some things up. A concept that I think you need to understand first is the reason why somebody who is stronger might not necessarily be faster. So you'll hear theories about type 2x muscle fibers and things of that nature I wouldn't go so far to say as the muscle fiber has actually changed so much so as the nervous system connection to the muscles literal motor neuron adaptations have been made or are already present in higher level athletes Uh, if you work with athletes enough you'll come to find that there are some kids there are some athletes who are just generally going to be faster than others. And I think some of it has to do with genetics. But it's an improved neurological system that makes them run faster, not necessarily uh, an increase in muscle fiber content or anything like that. So, okay, let's take an, let's take the example of sprinting, for instance. A sprint versus a heavy squat. Both a sprint and a heavy squat have maximal motor unit recruitment. However, a sprint does not have near the muscle fiber recruitment, whereas a maximal effort squat has all available muscle fiber recruitment. So, quick review. Motor unit recruitment is as high as possible in both, whereas muscle fiber recruitment is very different in both. So why in a sprint do we not need to recruit as many muscle fibers? And the reason why is because the movements are at such a high pace, at such a high velocity, that the actin and myosin bindings within every muscle, uh, like, like every muscle fiber, so every contraction, the actin and myosin they, they bridge together, they bind together, and they release. They bridge together and they release. That's how muscle contractions happen. So those contractions happen at such a fast rate in explosive movements like a sprint, there is simply not enough time for actin and myosin to fully bind together, at least not a lot of them, to fully bind together and release and bind together again and release. So those high... Uh, velocity movements that happen 
very quickly, you're going to simply, your body is going to recruit just enough muscle fibers, but the motor unit recruitment is very high, therefore the explosiveness of the movement is going to be as maximal as it can be. So wouldn't it make sense then that we want to optimize motor unit recruitment in our training, especially when we're training for power and speed, when we're trying to develop those characteristics, wouldn't we want to try to recruit as much as many motor units as possible while perhaps passing up a little bit of muscle fiber recruitment. So this is this is a good concept to understand and if you want to read more about it, uh, look into the works of Chris Beardsley, Cal Dietz, and Max Schmarzo. They're all very, very good sources on, on learning more about these topics. reason I wanted to make that point is the, the first major area that I will find that people want to work with explosive and dynamic training, they want to work with a ton of reps and they want to work to fatigue. And even though the first three or four reps may be pretty fast, after a while they begin to recruit a ton of muscle fiber, the movement starts to lose velocity so you're not training at a very high speed, but you're training the muscle fiber. The, the actual muscle is going to get fatigued quite a bit, and you're going to train 8, 10, 12 reps in a slow fashion, and you're not going to get any faster. Understand that the goal behind speed, dynamic training, whatever you want to call it, velocity-based training, the goal is not fatigue of the muscle. So you want to make sure that your reps are lower. I highly recommend anything below five. Five reps or less is is probably the, the, the optimal range for speed work. Anything over five, man, you're, you're starting to get into a range where you're going to get very tired. And even though you might be able to do a speed set of six or eight reps where all the reps turn out to be pretty explosive on one set, you've you've kind of screwed yourself over for the rest of the workout and the next set you might only be able to get four or five reps that are explosive. And then after that, you've accumulated 12, 13 reps already in the workout in two sets and every set beyond that is going to be pretty slow because you're already gassed. You don't want to go to fatigue in a dynamic uh, effort or velocity-based training setting. The next point I wanted to make is that you need to make sure you're taking plenty of rest between sets. Now, obviously, a set of three or four is only going to take about four or five seconds to complete. So you multiply that by 10 to get 40 or 50 seconds rest between each set, that's not a super long rest period, but you have to understand that if you're trying to only take 15 or 20 seconds between sets, that's going to turn into a conditioning style workout, something like CrossFit, and after a while, those reps are going to start to lose velocity as well because you are fatigued. Fatigue is not going to lead to speed. Fatigue only leads to 
uh, slower movements and slow does not equal fast. Give your body the chance to recuperate. And another thing that I wanted to touch on is this isn't so much a common problem that I see, at least not as common as doing sets of 15 or 20 or taking 10 seconds between sets. It's not as common as those, but I'll still see people working with too heavy of a weight or they won't change weight when their velocity starts to slow down. So, I, I, like, I, I've come across different different method, methodologies of velocity-based training um, and, and dynamic effort method in terms of the weight that's being used. I'm, I'm okay with people who want to use 75 or 80% of their one rep max for super fast singles. That's okay. And the reason why I'm okay with that is because motor unit recruitment is going to be as high as possible. The, the neural drive for those movements is extremely high, even though the weight may not be low enough for my liking for athletes. It's still very fast, and I do think that there is some positive qualities that can come from lifting a somewhat heavy weight, like 75 or 80% as fast as possible. Now, the problem that I have is that people will be using 70% of their one rep max and only use 70%, and even after the fourth or fifth set, when it's starting to come up slower and slower, they are stubborn and don't want to drop weight. You have to make sure that you're dropping weight. Even if you start at 70% the first two or three sets, you have to understand that you're gonna slow down. So I recommend taking off 15, 20 pounds, cut it down to 65, 60%. And then after a few sets at that weight, cut it down again to closer to 50 or 45% or your one rep max to make sure that every single set is speed is optimized every single set the goal here is not weight the goal is speed now if you don't have a tendo unit or something to measure your power output each each rep um, you're kind of playing guesswork a little bit and and this is something that I really want to make sure I purchase in the next year or so for uh, for my own training purposes and for athletes that I train something to measure however if you don't and and you're you're playing guesswork a little bit I would err on the side of going with lighter weight and going faster I mean it, it just makes sense this is how your body is going to work eventually your body is going to get tired eventually the weight that you're working with is not going to come up as fast as it did the first couple sets Therefore, with this in mind, I would recommend after two or three sets at a certain weight, maybe drop down five or 10 uh, pounds. Now, granted, you can also work in the reverse in that you can start at 40% of the one rep max really fast and then maybe add five, 10, 20 pounds to that. But because that's such a light weight to begin with, you probably would not accumulate the same fatigue that I'm talking about where you're starting at 65 or 70% uh, percent of the one rep max. The last point I wanted to talk about was the, the desire to train with like a lot of velocity-based speed movements, speed deadlifts, speed bench press, stuff like that. 
the desire for athletes to want to work with those without first building a proper strength base. I would be willing to bet that there are only a handful of people listening to this who either work with or are currently athletes that have a good enough strength base that would that would warrant them going straight into a lot of velocity-based training or dynamic effort training. If you're not first, if you don't have the ability to deadlift twice your body weight or or, or, or bench press 1.5 times your body weight, I know the bench press maybe isn't that applicable to baseball, but if you look around and you notice that there are a majority of baseball players at the level that you want to play at, let's say that's the college level, if you notice that there are a lot of college baseball players out there that are deadlifting in the 400 to 500 pound range, and you're still only deadlifting in the 200 or 300 pound range, there are still a lot of gains to be had simply by getting stronger. Now, I, I, I'm not saying that the deadlift is the only way to measure your strength, but I'm using that as an example. If you are still relatively weak compared to where you want to be, there's no point in, in training, at least not training in heavy amounts with dynamic effort training. You can do it once in a while, you can use it in a neural charge type setting where maybe it's an active rest day or a deload week and you simply want to you want to do something but you don't want to do something heavy then it's okay to train in a speed deadlift fashion but i certainly wouldn't recommend it for those athletes who at least not that often for athletes who need to do a lot more reps accumulate thousands and thousands of heavy reps on the squat presses, deadlifts, and rows before they get stronger to the point that, okay, you have good, uh, adequate strength, you have requisite strength for baseball, and and then, then perhaps it is time to try and get faster. Now, at, at the same time, if you're an athlete who is, you have to know yourself and you have to talk with very good coaches to, that understand this concept as well. If you are an athlete who already has a really good base of speed, so for instance, you're an athlete who is very fast, but you are skinny and you lack some strength, you shouldn't really be trying to focus on speed deadlifting at all or speed pressing at all. You already have an improved nervous system like what I was talking about before. All you have to do is add on some strength and size and you're probably going to become really, really good at baseball. Understand what you need most and then try to address it. I would, I would probably go as far as to say that every athlete that's in high school, for the most part, I'm talking like 95% of all high school athletes need to gain some sort of size and strength. Even if they're a slower athlete, you can still work with things like sprints and plyometric movements, but I would also recommend working on the strength side of things as well before trying to go into the middle of the strength speed spectrum where you're working with a lot of speed-based dynamic movements and things of that nature. Um, 
So that's it for today. Hope you enjoyed the podcast and uh, good job.